morning we're going to start a brand new series through the book of John. Um, and just so you guys know, I don't know how long we're going to be in this book because it's like 20-something chapters, and I'm only doing the first 14 verses today. All right, so we may be settled here for a good minute, which is good because the book of John is incredible. But I am titled this series, This Is Who I Am, because I believe God wants you to know who He is. And I think John wanted you to know who Jesus really was. You see, there's four Gospels, right? There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and Mark, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what, what is called and what is known as the Synoptic Gospels because um, they're similar in their approach. They share a lot of the same stories, so they're similar. Um, and, they're, and you kind of think of them as, as snapshots, as snapshots of, of the ministry and work and the love that Jesus showed the world when he was here on earth. You can, you, so they're kind of like, they're these snapshots, these little glimpses. But the book of John is kind of like, like a, a portrait of Jesus. A painted portrait of this, like this one that you would sit there and you would study. Right? You would walk into, you go ahead and crank the lights all the way up. Um, one of those, you would, you, you, you'd go in and you'd kind of study in an art gallery. It's so, it's so beautiful. And see, here's what we've got to know. Matthew was written for the Jewish community, right? It was written for the Jewish community as a way to show that Jesus was the fulfillment of all their prophecies. That's why a lot of times in Matthew, Matthew will read the phrase like, um, so it was written, or so that it would be fulfilled, right? It was written to a Jewish audience to show them that Jesus really was their king. And Luke and Mark was, Mark was written for the, like a Roman audience, because Rome was a people of action, right? The people of action. So Mark is like this action thriller. Like, what, what did Jesus do and what was he about, right? And Luke, being a physician, was very detailed in his, his portray, portrayal of, of the gospel. But Luke was written for a Greek audience. And Luke, being a Gentile physician, he put a little extra detail in the wording. Because like, with, you know, with, with Greek culture and Greek philosophers, they were, they were trying to find out what the perfect man was. What did manhood really look like? And Luke describes Jesus. Huh? Right here. Joe, Joe is a perfect man. Uh, the Greek culture and philosophers, they were pursuing perfect manhood. And Jesus is described as the son of man in Luke, full of passion and full of love. But John, but John, this is incredible. The book of John was one of those books that, you know, when, when someone is a new, new convert, they, we, what do we often tell them to go read first? The book of John. Because here's why. The book of John is a book for everybody. It was, it was written for a world audience. John was written for an audience of the world, a gospel for everyone. It presents Jesus in the fullness of his character. Speaks of, speaks of him as the Son of God and descri- describes him as, as God coming in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And that even though he, it doesn't necessarily go through the, through the birth of Jesus, what he, what it, is, it actually goes way before that, as we'll look at today, like all the way to the very beginning, before the beginning ever began, Jesus was, and that Jesus would come into the flesh, and why that, and he wants you to know why that was important for, for us. But see, one of the things that, that John, John is writing kind of against in this culture, um, not only in his gospel, his gospel account, but in, in his letters, was this, um, this thought or this belief or this philosophy circ- circulating around the church called Gnosticism. And what not, one of the things that Gnosticism teaches is that Jesus only seemed to be human. That Jesus only seemed to be human, like he, like he only seemed to, to have appeared in, in human flesh. 
What Gnosticism teaches is that God is so different from his creation that if he came as God, then, he would, then we wouldn't have recognized him. And, that's where, and they, they mistaken what we're going to read a little bit in today when it says that the world didn't recognize him. So he had to come and, and appear to be human, but really wasn't. And he really wasn't flesh. And, and, that, and if, he, if, if God, Jesus, really didn't come into flesh, that would be a big deal for us today, wouldn't it? it but they said that he only appears, appears to be human. They denied that Jesus had a physical body. So the first attack on Christianity wasn't Jesus' deity. The first attack on the church wasn't Jesus' deity, it was his humanity. Right? That's why in his, one of his letters toward the end of our book, it's labeled uh, 2 John 1, 2 John 1 7. It says this Numerous deceivers have surfaced from among us and, uh, and gone out into the world, people, people who will not acknowledge Jesus Christ coming as a man. This, these deceivers are Antichrist. This is what this was. John, John knew that it was important that Jesus came in the flesh. And this is uh, 2 John, by the way. I don't know why I didn't put the number in front of it. But it says, numerous deceivers have surfaced from among us and have gone out into the world, people who will not acknowledge Jesus Christ coming as a man. These deceivers are antichrist. This was, John wanted you to know the importance of why Jesus was in the flesh. Jesus wanted his readers to know that Jesus was fully God and fully human and fully divine. We can say it like this. We can say it like this. Jesus was undiminished deity and unprotected humanity. And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean is that he felt things. Isaiah describes our coming Messiah as one who knew pain firsthand. He felt things. He wept over things. He had pains that went through his body. John wanted you to know, know this because this means that he was a God who can relate to us, not only on a spiritual level, but on a physical level. He knew what it would be like to suffer. He knew what it would be like to have heartbreak and pain. He wept over family members who have died and friends who have died. He wept over, over children, children who were mistreated. He, like he, he felt the pain of the cross. But according to Gnosticism, if he really wasn't God, then he wouldn't have felt it at all. But he felt every moment. Even in the garden when he was praying to the Father in agony, he said, if it's your will, please let this cup pass. He felt the, the weight of anxiety and what was coming in the future. The thing that makes him different than us is, as he said, but not my will, but yours be done. If this means I have to drink the cup of your wrath, then I'll do it. If it saves everyone. So, he felt things, he wept over things, he had pains he, he, that went through his body, and John wants you to know all this and why it is important, and why and how it is that he, we, can, we have a God who relates to us. So the first part of this may seem a little heavy doctrinally and theologically, but please hang with me, because it has some huge application for us today. So, you ready? Uh, the next three years, here we go. Kid. <laughs> here we go. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And I'm going to pause right here just for, for a moment. When it says the Word was with God, in the original text, it has this implication of intimacy or equal level. Right? It means face-to-face, like on the same level when it says with God. And the Word was God. So I'm going to read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was 
God. So right off the bat, just so you know, I don't know if you noticed, but the word word is capitalized there because it's not, it's, it's, it's a person. And this person that we're going to talk, the person that he's talking about is Jesus. So we'll see here in a second. But it is, it is Jesus. And right off the bat, John is making it clear who Jesus is. So let me explain. Jesus got in a lot of trouble when he was doing ministry, especially the last half of his ministry. Because he would use phrases like, I am a lot. I am the vine. I am the branch. I am that I am. Right? So why, why did that get him in so much trouble? Here's why. I have to do, can I do a little explaining real quick? Okay. So Jews often refer to God as the Word. Why? Why? Back in the book of Exodus, Moses had done all this stuff that he did in Egypt. He ran off and he was herding some sheep, right? And this bush began to burn. But it, didn't, it says it didn't burn up, so how can a bush be on fire and it not like, consume? I don't know, but God is pretty cool. So, and God began to speak to, speak to Moses through this, bu- through this bush. And he's telling him, you've got to go back and re- rescue my people out of Egypt. And, and Moses asks this question because we want to know who we're following, right? <laughs> like, and so listen to what, he's, what Moses said, asked in Jesus, and in God's response, he says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What does that mean? I am. I am whatever you need in this moment. I am. I am. And see, the word I am, often when it was written in the scripture, looked a lot like this. It was Y-H-W-H or J-H-V-H when it was written out in scripture. Okay? Um, and sometimes they interjected Adonai in there. But what that, what that means is I am. It was often um, that Yahweh or Jehovah and sometimes used Adonai. Alright? This is referred to this was referred to as the Tetragrammaton, which means the unspeakable name of God. The unspeakable name of God. They counted God's name so holy they felt they couldn't even speak it verbally. And, 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 and they would go as far as to not fully write it out. All right? Like, even to the point to where even when they would, like, they're if you look at some of the some of the commentaries at that time, or would listen, uh, or, uh, or or written down speeches of, of religious leaders at the time, they wouldn't even they wouldn't they wouldn't even write down the Y H all that stuff. What they would often write down is the word, or they would write this, they would write the word the Hebrew word memra, which means the word, right? You look at commentaries, and you look at things written back in that time. They would they would write. Memra, the word. They would refer to it as the word. So in the Jewish world of that time, if you said Memra, they would know that you were speaking about God. Right? <laughs> but Derek, you said the book of John was for the world. Why isn't you just speaking to the Jewish audience? Well, here's the crazy thing, because most of the time when you hear this patch is spoke about, you hear about this one word, logos. Right? Which is the Greek translation for the word. Or where we get logic from. Because logic is word. 
logos or the word. Okay? And so in, in the Greek Gentile circles, they could see that the, the, the world and the universe around them were measurable in order, that life had a rhythm. So logically, or, 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 or there had to be something that put it into rhythm, day and night, orbits and planets, etc. They knew, they knew that even though they, they didn't really know God in our context at the time, in our, the way we know God, where, where they knew that where there is order, there had to be something or someone who, who was ordered. That's why when you look at when the disciples went to, went to into the Greek city, they, they saw the statue to the unknown God. He even quoted one of their, one of their poets when it says, you, he's the one that put things in order. This is the God who put things in order. He, it, they, they knew there had to be something or someone who was, who was, who was, the, was the orderer. And they would often use this term logos, which means word, the word, right? It's where we get the word like logic or and those kind of things. So to the world audience and to us today, what does this mean? What does the word mean? And it means this. Jesus is the word that has come to bring back order. So the one who created everything, gave it order, sin disrupted that order, he has now come. He is now coming to put back in order all those things. All right, and here's a little side note. Okay, and this one gets me in trouble just a little bit, and it's okay because I like a little controversy. It's okay, you know what I'm saying? Um, oftentimes, you hear preachers and you hear churches and you hear these people say, "We just got to preach the word, brother. Just preach the word." Well. I think there's a little misconception on what the word is. Because according to this, it's Jesus. Because I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in, well, if they just knew the Bible, if, they, if we just throw some verses out there to them, blah, 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 blah. Then like, have you watched the world? When you throw Bible verses out there, what do they do? They hate you for it. Well, maybe if we start preaching Jesus, we'll eventually get them to the word that most people think it means. You with me? So when people say, preach the word to me, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I'm going to preach Jesus all day long. Because he is the one that rescues. He is the one that saves. Now, is it the Bible that we have to get, gain our knowledge of who Jesus is? Absolutely. If we can't get him to Jesus first, we'll never come to the Lord. You with me? Here we go. We'll keep going. Maybe. So what is this word? What is this word going to bring back to order, order to? Okay, what does what it mean, order to? Okay, here we go. Here's what it says. Verse 3. Well, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness and has overcome it. And here's the thing that we have to understand. Real quick before I get into... Notice this is a sidebar here. Oftentimes, you, you will have people who knock on your door who claim to have the message of Jesus. They're often known as Jehovah Witnesses. Okay, and here's what you have to understand. In their translation, uh, the New World Translation, it says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Because they believe Jesus was a created being. And created beings can't create anything new from scratch. You with me? Out of nothing. 
And so John is pointing out here very clearly that it was through him and by him that everything was created. You with me? So, even, and just a side note, I can't remember off the top of my head the exact Greek, um, but they, but I'll say this, Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe they, they have the correct Greek translation, even to the point of, like, if you ask them and said, hey, who are your translators who translated that? They can't tell you or they won't tell you because any time they had published that, there are people who translated their New World um, New World Century version of, of the Bible would say that's not what we said at all. So they quit publishing it. Who published, who published that? Okay, Because they misquoted the Greek. Right? And even then, they're like, that's not what we said at all. So just a sidebar there. But what this is talking about, and it's just crazy, this is that this is, this is not only about life eternal, but it's full revelation of who God is and what he's about. Right? There's just, there's, just, there's, there's this God who says that light shines in the darkness because this world is full of darkness. Go on back, Zane. Go back to the previous one. There's this light that shines in the world because there's this dark or there's this, there's this fog of darkness, this death that has come upon, upon the world that needed light to shine into it. And the very creator... Jesus, this word, will be the true light to salvation. That's what this is about. He's going to bring a light to us, a light of salvation. There is no other way that we can receive anything apart from this word. It's why Jesus would say about himself in John 14, 6, he would say, Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You see how he can get himself in trouble now? He is speaking the unspeakable name of God about himself. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know the Father. I am the way. And that's why Peter would say in Acts 14.6, when uh, he said, he'd say this, he'd say, there is no one else, this is, this is, one of his speeches, he says, there is no one else who has the power to, to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. There is no other way. He is the light. The word that, the word that was with God and was God is the only way to salvation. You can't earn your way there. You can't gain your way there. All you can do is place your trust there. That's the only thing you can do. You can't take enough baths to clean yourself up. He is the way, the only way. Then here's the, here's the amazing thing for us about all this. Why, why the Word was with God and was God, and that He is now a light, bringing light back into the world. Here's why this is important. Once you really know Christ through salvation, the darkness that surrounds you and that is in you cannot overcome this Word. It can't overcome this word. So that demon that you've been fighting, that darkness you've been fighting in your life for all these years, guess what? It's already defeated. You're just giving it ground when you allow it to come in. Because the word says it's already taken care of. It's already taken care of. 
is where light is, darkness has to flee. That's why John 8, 12 would say, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness again. So if you're walking in darkness, it's by your choice, not his. Your choice, and not his. So here's what's going to happen next. Like if you're, if you're an English ELA teacher in here, you hate John for this because he's going to like switch subjects for like 2.2 seconds in a writing and then he's going to get back. But we're going to be introduced to a character and we're going to be introduced to a character whose name, we know him as John the Baptist. It wasn't John who wrote this book, right? But it's John the Baptist who, who is a cousin of Jesus. And so remember, he just got done talking about the Word became, the word became flesh. You know, the Word was with God, the Word was God and he's a lot. And then he, they do this huge switch. He would have been an F on his, English paper, if you did this, all right? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness. And here's an interesting thing, just so you know. The, the Greek word where we get the word witness from actually means, is that same word that we, where we get the word martyr from. So he came as a witness, and he would eventually die because of his witness. So you're aware. So if you're going to be a true witness of Christ, or if it's coming, because we are also called to prepare the way of the Lord that John the Baptist was. Are you willing to lay your life down for it? Okay? He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And that word believe is mentioned so many times in John. Because John's writing wants you to, he's telling you all this so that you would believe in Jesus. And not just believe for salvation, but believe the rest of your life that he holds you. All right. He was not the light that came to bear witness. He, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And that'll make more sense next week. Okay, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world, the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, came to his own people, and, people, and they did not receive him. But all, but to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's so powerful. So powerful. Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's, here's the crazy thing. This world was dark and is dark. Right? But in that time, they, they didn't recognize him because they were focused on, on the law, which is a distorted message or a shadow of the message of what Jesus was really going to be about, what the Messiah was really going to be about. Right? This world was a dark place. They followed the law. They tried, they tried to reach righteousness. Which, if you read the book of Hebrews, it'll tell you the law that was given to actually show you just how dark you really are. Right? To show you that you couldn't meet up to the standards of God. That's it. And here's the deal. The, the law demands righteousness from man. The law demands righteousness from man. Grace gives righteousness to man from God. Here's why it's so important that Jesus came in physical flesh, the Word became flesh. It came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. This is why this is important. Because if He didn't come in the flesh, we would never meet the standard and we all would be doomed for hell. So 
the, the sacrifices that the sacrifices that the law demanded were never good enough. Nothing you tried would ever be good enough. In fact, all throughout Scripture, you look, read, and you find out that your righteousness, or the, the very righteousness that you have, is filthy rags. Because there would be a one that would come. The very word would come. The very word would come in flesh. And he would dwell among us, and he would be that sacrifice. John 1:14 says. That's first we're going to look at today. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son, the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is John coming, coming, coming to us saying, I have seen Him. I've seen it with my eyes. I've touched Him. I've, I've ate dinner with Him. I've reclined with Him at the dinner table. I've seen Him. And He's full of grace and truth. And that we've, we've beheld His glory. Know what His glory is? It's you and me. He came to give us righteousness, not to demand righteousness from us. Because we could never have a right standing before Him unless He came in the flesh and get, made a sacrifice for us. This is why it's important up front that we know in the first 14 verses, while John wrote the way he does the rest of the book of John, and it's this, is that the word that spoke all of creation entered his own creation to redeem it. The creator came to recreate, to refurbish, so that we could be his glory and represent his glorious grace to the world around us. We have a God who can relate to us and knows our pain and knows our hurt. Knew how screwed up we would be. And he still said, you know what? I'm going to come make a way. I'm going to come in the flesh and I'm going to make a sacrifice so they can come and be in the light. This true light of salvation. This light that has come. So the question is, are you going to trust this word that's over your life today? Are you going to trust this word today? You hear preachers say it all the time, and, and, and I'm not saying this loosely. If you don't trust it today, you may not have a chance tomorrow. You don't know what life's going to throw at you tomorrow. So are you going to trust this word today? That's the question. The greatest question you could ever answer. And if the answer is yes, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. Are you going to accept the word? So here's what I want to do. I want everybody to bow their heads real quick. Right now, Jesus is speaking a word over you that says, "Are you? Are you, will you follow me? Will you walk finally out of the darkness and into the light that I've come to bring?" If you want to do that, then you can. In fact, we already have the baptistry set up outside. Uh, Brittany can take her phone out and she can record it if you want to send some, somebody something. But if, if you want to take that step and say, I want to follow Jesus and I want to show the world, I want to follow that, follow my repentance with being baptized, will you raise your hand? Or maybe you're in here and you're like, you know what, Derek, I'll, 
I was baptized as a kid, and but I don't think my life really changed. I don't think my life ever really changed until I was an adult. And you want to take that next step of baptism, you can do that today as well. But if you would like to do that, will you raise your hand? God, I want to thank you so much. That you didn't leave me to my own vices. I want to thank you that instead of demanding righteousness for me, you came to stand in my place and give me righteousness. I want to thank you that you became flesh and you dwelt among us. Full of grace. God, I pray for this series, God, that we see who you are, who you really are. Not what culture has taught us you are, but who you really are. And I pray for anyone that listens to this, that they, like John, John also prays, pray, that they know you and they believe in you. Because you're the best thing that's ever happened. Best thing that ever was. I pray all this Thank you guys for being here this morning. Love you all. Hey, we're going to leave the baptistry set up probably for the next couple weeks. Just see what happens. Cool? So if you would love, to, if you'd like to be baptized, maybe you're listening online later. You want to, you want to take that next step and you walk with Christ. We're going to leave the baptistry open. All right? Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Peace out.